Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher. I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So it's time to talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 71, week 14. Review. Week 14 is finally in the books. So I have a question. Are you still alive in your leagues? Hopefully you are. I know a lot of people fade out this time of year listening to podcasts if they are out of the leagues, but that's what we don't do in Dynasty because there's always things that we can learn. I am uh, in five out of ten leagues. I'm in the playoffs still, so I'm in the final four of uh, five out of ten leagues, so pretty happy about that. Much thanks to uh, Zach Ertz on Monday night, which we'll talk about shortly. I do really hope that you've enjoyed the season. And you got to remember, uh, the joy of Dynasty compared to Redraft is that when you're losing, you're winning. I think it's the Dynasty nerds that say it that way, that when you're losing, you're really winning. That is, if you have draft picks, because you still have a chance to improve your team by the fact that you've lost. And so that's what makes Dynasty League so much more fun than Redraft Leagues. And hope that you will stick with us during the offseason. I'm going to come up with a lot of good podcasts that give my uh ideas on player values and different strategies and things that you can employ, things you can do at different times of the year as well. So there are just two weeks left in the season. So what I want to do today is just talk about my observations from week number 14 as we end the near end, in, near the end of the year. Uh, so here's some of my overall thoughts from week 14. I don't have any trades to discuss because the trades in my leagues have stopped. All the trade deadlines have happened. And so we won't be talking about any trades, but I will give a few thoughts on some of the guys that were picked up on waivers this week, but pretty much just a couple observations from this week, five observations, and then a few players to talk about that were um, waiver wire worthy. All these waiver wires are for the short term in in this case. So let's go ahead and get started. Number one observation from the week, and you've experienced this, I'm sure, is that several players were weak winners, or if you are on the other side of the bracket, they were weak losers. It was an incredibly high-scoring week, incredibly high-scoring, leaving Dynasty owners either super thrilled or, like, super depressed at the end of the week. You think about guys like Drew Brees and Jameis Winston that bounced back from their bad weeks to carry teams in the early games um, this week to scoring 40 points each. Like, those guys at the noon games, well, noon my time and Texas time, those early games, it was Brees and Jameis that were just, like, racking up points and putting people into victory. I know I had Winston... In uh, several of my leagues, he's my starting quarterback. I own a lot of Winston, big big fan, even though uh, he's obviously not the great NFL quarterback. He's an awesome fantasy quarterback. I'll take it. And, uh, man, I was knocked out of the playoffs last week. But a poor game by him, but it was just boosted up in one and won a couple leagues this week, largely because of Winston. And they did all that in the early games, which was getting all of us as owners excited, right? Well, then you get to the late games, later games, and you got – well, it wasn't. These guys weren't. Some of these were late games. Some were not. But Emmanuel Sanders and AJ Brown rewarded their owners who started them with more than thirty points each. But I noticed in many of my leagues, dynasty owners had them on the bench, and now they're probably killing themselves for it. So, so frustrating when you have guys that are questionable as starters like that that look like they're in good matchups or coming off injuries. In the case of um, Emmanuel Sanders, 
I know one guy in my league started didn't start Emmanuel Sanders. He probably would have won otherwise. And then you've got A.J. Brown, who I actually had on the bench in one of my leagues. You know how much I love A.J. Brown, but I just didn't trust him given the, the quality of receivers that I had in that league. And I lost a game because I didn't play A.J. Brown. So this is, this is how it works. There are players that were either weak winners or they were weak losers. And probably best of all, you notice a lot more when it's just the afternoon game. So you're kind of looking at your your percentage, you know, if you're following one of those leagues that has the percentage of winning at you know app on their app. So you think, oh, yeah, I've got like a 70% chance of winning. So they say, that is until you played Austin Eckler in the afternoon games. And so Austin Eckler carried teams to victory or, in, in some cases, defeat with his ridiculously efficient 27 fantasy point that day on just 12 touches. It's ridiculous. 12 touches, and he gets 100 receiving, 100 rushing, scores touchdowns. Infuriating if you were playing against him. And life-giving if you, were, if you had him on your team, right? It was ridiculous. And then it comes down to Monday night where Zach Ertz, like I already mentioned, he and uh, the Eagles rally uh, late and into overtime, and all the Zach Ertz owners that needed that overtime touchdown catch are celebrating while those that were playing against him are weeping. And so in one tight end premium league that I'm in, it's the, the league that I'm in with other podcasters and uh, experts. We'll just call them analysts. We're not experts. But the other others that are very invested and do podcasts and have websites, I'm in that league, and I needed Zach Ertz to score 27 points to get me the victory, and he scored like 34. So ridiculous. It was definitely an up-and-down week with considerable swings in each series of games, the noon games, the afternoon game, not so much the night game, but the Monday night game for sure. And dynasty owners were either elated or they were super bummed out. That's the fantasy playoffs for you. We've all experienced it. We all feel it. Add to that, my second point for the week was that early injuries painfully took down teams in the playoffs. Like There were some bad injuries that really, really devastated our team's hopes. For guys like Mike Evans and Jared Cook that really excited, um, or they exited their games early, but at least they provided some fantasy value by scoring. It's ridiculous. Evans scores a 61-yard touchdown. Jared Cook has two touchdowns in the first quarter before they're both injured. And now their dynasty owners are happy that they at least got that from them, but they're kind of left scratching their heads wondering what could be. Like, what, what happened here? What if they would have played the whole game? What would have happened? Then you've got guys that were... Injured like Rashad Penny, Alshon Jeffrey, Devontae Parker. They just weren't able to provide the points before they got injured. The, the, those three scored six points between them. Six points between them total before they left on injuries. And their dynasty owners are left wondering what could have been had they played the entire game. Add to that the fact that this week, after some minor injuries happened, uh, now teams have actually put some of those that were minor, looked like minor injuries last week, have now been put on IR like Calvin Ridley, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, Darius Geis. They've all been placed on IR after they had injuries late in games. And then Mike Evans and Alshon Jeffrey and Rashad Penny, who I already talked about, they were also added to IR this week. And so dynasty teams are going to have to be scrambling uh, to piece together teams during their semifinals. If a team was not affected by these injuries, they are winning percentages went certainly up. I know I'm like in one final right now where I was Definitely the underrated team, but because a guy loses Mike Evans, all of a sudden now I'm favored. And so that's devastating to, to owners that have all these players that were injured that are not going to be playing in Week 15 in the semifinals here. Next observation I would make, give us a chance to talk about a few players, 
is that two quarterbacks are looking like the future starters for their teams. One is Drew Locke. He started his second game and ripped apart the Houston Texans. I could not believe this. Like In my FFPC league, which was the one league that I lost in last week, I was in 6 out of 10. I was in, in the playoffs, and then I lost the FFPC league. Thankfully not because of this dumb move I made where I picked up Houston's defense, figuring that they would play great against Drew Locke in his second start at home. Well, good grief. That did not happen. Got ripped up by Drew Locke, of all people. So he won his first game last week against the Chargers, but it was definitely not due to his great play. They just they won based on their defense and a pretty poor play. But this week, however, you have to say that he put the team on his shoulders and he uh, won the game. It really should be attributed to him. Last week, he was 64% of completions in his first start. This week, he went to 81% in his second start. Now, granted, most of those were short passes and checkdowns. That, that definitely was part of their game. But, but I watched the game, and I was actually most, mostly impressed by his seemingly command of the offense, the way that players seem to rally around him and really like him as a teammate. And uh, you can't be definitive on anything after two weeks, but there's reason to be hopeful that Locke has three more weeks to prove that Denver does not need to draft a quarterback next year. So if you have Locke on your team, you are hoping that he proves himself in these next three weeks so that Denver will not be drafting a quarterback, and they know that they think they finally have a starter. Poor John Elway can't draft one. Maybe he finally did. I was not a, not a fan. I did not have Drew Locke ranked highly in my quarterback rankings last year, and so um, maybe he's going to prove me wrong. But my stance was definitely against him, but he's doing it. Second uh, quarterback that's looking like a future starter is, of course, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Tennessee might not need to draft a quarterback next year either. They're already talking contract extension with Ryan Tannehill behind the scenes, and they've completely turned around the Titans since he's come in. He's gone 6-1 and one and has become an every-week fantasy starter. Man, this, is, this has got to be one of the craziest things. It's so hard to believe that since he was never reliable as a fantasy player when he was starting for Miami, sure, he'd make spot starts. He's... I'd kind of compare him to like Mitchell Tabriskie at this year, you know, that he gets enough on the ground, does some things, has some good games, has some bad games, but just kind of a mediocre player. But it's ridiculous. Right now he's been the number two ranked fantasy quarterback since taking over the starting position in Tennessee. That's incredible. Like he's just behind Lamar Jackson. I can't believe that this is what's happening. And Tannehill has just a much better team around him than he ever had in Miami. I think that that's true. And this team might be the one that allows him to kind of rebrand himself and become an every week, you know, like become a dynasty asset. Someone we're actually looking to buy instead of looking to sell or someone that's just sitting on our rosters as a backup if there was injuries to happen. Pretty incredible that Tennessee may have found a quarterback uh, of their future in Ryan Tannehill. Next thing that I'll mention was that two players have bypassed their teammates and become top options as fantasy scorers. This week I learned that. Two players have bypassed their teammates to become their top option in fantasy scores in their positions. First would be Robbie Anderson. All right, man, this is ridiculous. Robbie Anderson's doing it again. In his last two years, he's ended the season with a bang and raised his dynasty value, only to see it drop slowly and steadily until like the last third of the season, then it rises back up and then it falls again. Like, this is like a pattern for him. It's so frustrating. But you have to admit that he's had 100 yards uh, and or a touchdown in each of the, the previous three weeks. He's uh, su- surpassed Jamison Crowder and is a leading wide receiver uh, for the Jets right now. 
I started him in several leagues last week, kind of trying to capitalize on his his high play. Um, I won two of those that I had him starting, and then I lost one, the FFPC league that I mentioned already. I lost one of those, yeah, even though I did have him playing in his great game. Um, it's 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 crazy, but Robbie Anderson has become the number one receiver, even though at the start of the year it sure looked like Jamison Crowder was, and Robbie Anderson was just kind of missing. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in the offseason with him. We'll see what happens, and I think that Robbie Anderson um, is someone that I've always been higher on, and I thought I was stupid at the start of the year, but now I'm starting to believe again. But he's done this before to us. Second player that I'd mention would actually be uh, Raheem Mostert. It's only been a few weeks, but Raheem Mostert has already become the leading fantasy running back in San Francisco. Like, it feels like he's just been playing well for like three weeks, but he's already, if you compare him to Coleman and Brita, he is the highest scoring San Francisco running back. It's insane, and he's hardly been playing. Um, he's had some lucky plays last, last week, of course, that pass that he caught from Emmanuel Sanders last week, pretty lucky. lucky. But there's a lot of consistency in his game, too. Um, it was pointed out this week that he has the highest yards per carry in the NFL for all running backs with 100 more carries. Now, the top five, Breida, I think, is number three of those top five as well. So it's just something about the San Francisco offense that allows them to just get incredibly high yards per carry. And he can do it efficiently, like last week just having 12 touches but turning them into what he did with a couple touchdowns. I think that uh, he has definitely passed Coleman on the depth chart. Totally passed him. And Breida, I think, is healthy again, and I think he's just going to stay in that same role and just be the change of pace back going forward. If I was to look at my dynasty rankings, I still have Mostert behind Breida and Coleman. Um, But if I was to, say, rank them for the rest of this year, Mostert would be to the top. He would be my number one of those three for the rest of this year. I do think that Mostert could contribute to fantasy championships this year. He really could. Um, thankfully I only have him in one le- or I wish I had him in more leagues thankfully I have him in one league and I think he can contribute to my championship there if this continues like through the end of the year and it looks like Mostert actually might become the starter for next year which would be just crazy then I would be willing and need, would need to make some serious adjustments in my dynasty rankings and move Mostert ahead of Coleman and Breida if you follow me very long you know that I'm actually a Breida believer so I've always had Breida ranked ahead of Coleman um, not really believed in Coleman very much, but it would surprise me if Mostert was even to surpass, surpass Brita. Now, uh, let's look at one final observation from this week, and that's that two that rookie wide receiver. I'm sorry, the rookie uh, wide receiver class is performing better than the running back class. And this is pretty unique because usually it takes more years for wide receivers to prove themselves and be an every week starter than it does for running backs who break out much faster. Uh, but this year, it's starting to appear like the opposite. As for running backs, I think there's Josh Jacobs, who's played well and established himself as a dynasty value. Pretty set. Devin Singletary, he seems poised to do so. Maybe you could argue that he already has done so. Uh, but definitely by the end of the year, I think he will be a pretty permanent uh, dynasty asset that's been rising as a rookie. But when I look at Miles Sanders and David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, who you know that I've been super high on, Um, and David Montgomery, who I've been super low on as rookies coming into the draft. Uh, But I have to say for both of them, David Montgomery, as expected, Miles Sanders, not as I expected, have yet to really establish stronger roles on their teams, even though uh, they've both been given great opportunities, David Montgomery from the start, Miles Sanders these last few weeks for sure. But when I compare them to the receivers, 
I look at A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Darius Slayton, and arguably Preston Williams, even though we haven't seen him a while since he's been injured. I think that they've broken out way earlier than expected, and their dynasty value has exceeded some of these rookie running backs. So I still believe in Sanders. I really do. I'm going to hold to it. I've got to stay faithful to what I think that I saw in him. Um, I do in Singletary just because he surprised me, even though I didn't believe in him as much coming into the season. Of course, I've already told you I don't really believe in Montgomery. But all these receivers now, it's so surprising they've broken out in the first year. If I was to reorder the rookie running backs and receivers, so taking out quarterbacks and tight ends, if I was to reorder them as how I'd have them ranked right now, I would have Josh Jacobs ranked number one, A.J. Brown ranked number two, D.K. Metcalf ranked number three, and uh, Debo Samuel ranked number four, Miles Sanders, still believing, ranked number five, Terry McLaurin, number six, Devin Singletary, number seven, Preston Williams, number eight, Darius Slayton, number nine, and David Montgomery, number ten. So if you're just going to talk just running backs and receivers, there are a lot more surprises among the rookie receiver class, and I have them kind of mixed in pretty favorably with the running backs that are mixed in as well. So those are my top five observations for the week. Hope that gave you a chance to think about some of my ways that I'm valuing a few different players. Let's talk super briefly about a couple of waiver wire moves. There's really only three players I was interested in. As a reminder, I do play in dynasty leagues that are 27 to 30 man rosters and 10 to 12 man, 10 to 12 team leagues. So the player pool is very thin, particularly this time of year. But there were three players that I did make claims for this week. Uh, none of them I don't think are uh, like great dynasty moves, like very future moves for a dynasty team, but I think all of these could possibly help in the playoff run. So here's the ones that were available on my uh, rosters and my leagues that I made some bids on. I'm going to put the first two together, actually, would be uh, Brashad Perriman and Justin Watson. Mike Evans, of course, injured himself in the first quarter. Perriman and Watson made the most of their opportunity as Tampa Bay made a crazy comeback to win. Perriman played 83% of the snaps after that and had five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Very similarly on the production, but not similarly on the snaps. Watson played 55% of the snaps compared to 83, and he had five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Both looked really good and very involved and actually very trusted by Winston. He didn't care who was in there. He was throwing it up. That's what Winston does, right? It looks like Evans is likely to be out for the rest of the season, so I think that these two receivers will be targeted often on their team, uh, and a team, of course, that cannot run the ball. They have to pass. So I favor Perriman, given that he's been more involved in the offense all year. Uh, Watson had only one catch before this game last week, so uh, he was a very high-talented prospect coming out of Penn, um, so he's got that going for him. But just look at the fact that Perriman has been playing all year and Watson's only had one catch. Uh, technically, Watson kind of comes in in Evans' role while Perriman is still playing the same role on the team. Uh, none of that really matters to me. I, I put claims in for Perriman, and Watson was my third guy that I tried to get. So Perriman first, Watson third, and my number two was the guy I'll talk about now, and that was C.J. Procise. Uh, so between Perriman and Watson, I put in bids for Procise as number two in that in that uh, group. He's not done anything all year, so nothing has happened. But he may get some opportunities now that Rashad Penny is out for the season with that ACL injury. Chris Carson was starting to split time with Penny almost 50-50. Like, they were 50-50 at that point of the season. Um, I don't think that Procise is going to get anywhere near 50-50. 
That's not going to happen. But he's still going to be used to spell Carson because they just don't want to run Carson uh, into the ground. And so I do think the ProSize is going to get his opportunities. Uh, he's already shown himself in the very, very few opportunities he's had to show that he's a great pass catching back. So I think could be used in that role. Um, I doubt that it's really going to make a difference, but I did put in a few bids for him, and I didn't get any, but I saw him picked up by several teams that were smart in my leagues. Um, he could help in a playoff push, but only if you're in a PPR league. If you're in a PPR league and desperate, maybe something could happen. I don't think this is a great dynasty move in the long term because I think ProSize has had all the opportunity that he needs to have proven himself and hasn't done so thus far. So those are some of my thoughts on week number 14. Golly, I hope that you're still in the playoffs. If you're not, I'm super thankful that you're still listening and want to encourage you to do so because that's the great thing about Dynasty. Like I said, I'm a freak. Freaks care 365 days a year. So we're going to keep bringing you content and topics and thoughts on player values and people we think you should buy, people you should sell, and it's going to be really fun to get into the rookie draft class and start thinking about the guys that we'll be able to pick up at that time. So that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I encourage you to make a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Dynasty Freaks. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so I'd love an email from you, or you can contact me through the website. If you would be so kind as to leave a rate and review an Apple Podcasts, that would help more people find us, and I would be grateful for that. I do want to be your most trusted independent voice in the fantasy dynasty rather the dynasty line landscape and so would love it if you would rate and review thanks so much for listening i appreciate that the most and we will look forward to seeing you again soon and you know what to do until next time you got to go out there and get freaky in the playoffs thanks for listening to the dynasty freaks podcast with your host justin christopher we welcome your thoughts and advice let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 